0: And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to fed it man. Today, we're going to be talking about Osama bin Laden and him getting raided by SEAL Tim 6 This is part three of the 9-11 series, guys. Let's get into it. we got a lot to cover on this one. <laughs> I was a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. The cases that I did mostly were human smuggling and drug trafficking. No one else has these documents, by the way. Here's what fed it covers. Dr. LaFredo confirmed lacerations... Due to stepping on glass, murder investigation. You see him reaching in his jacket, you don't know, and he's positioning. Been on February 13, 2019. You're facing two counts of two meditating murder. Racketeering and Rico conspiracy. Young, young Slime Life, here and after referred to as YSL, the this is uh, cons- Six Nine, and then this is Billy Seiko right here. Now, when they first started, guys, Six Nine ran so with. I'm a fed, I'm watching this music video. You know, I'm bobbing my head like, hey, this shit lit. But at the same time, I'm pausing. Oh, wait, who this? right well, who's that in the back
1: firearms the and violent crime
0: aka Bush IC violated Your order to stay away from the victim this is the one that, that's gonna fuck him up because this gun is not tracing well it happened at the gun range here's your boy 42 Doug right here on the left Okay. Sex trafficking and sex crimes yeah. They can effectively link him to paying an underage girl. I'm lock my the right, right. And well, the first bomb went off right here. Suspect two set down a backpack at the site of the second explosion. Inspired by Al-Qaeda. Two terrorists, brothers, the Zokar, Sarnev, and Tamarland Sarnev. When the cartel shipped drugs into the country. As this guy got arrested for um espionage, okay, trading secrets. With the Russians for monetary compensation. The largest corrupt police bust in New Orleans history. The days of the police are gone. gone. So he was in this bad boy. We're going to go over his past, the gang ties, so that this all makes sense. All right, we're back, guys. What's up? Welcome to Fed It, man. Uh, Today, like I said, we're going to cover part three of the 9-11 series, guys. Today's episode is going to be on the Bin Laden raid and uh, with the SEAL Team Six was able to recover from his um, compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan when they went and raided it on May 1st. So uh, we'll get right into it guys here. So let me just hit share screen with y'all real fast. Um, And we're gonna go ahead and cover a 60 minute uh, interview with a guy named, uh, it goes by Mark Owen, but his real name I think is Matt Reset or something like that. He actually ended up um, writing a book um about this raid which ended up costing them a lot of money which we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail but let's go ahead and cover the 60-minute interview because it's really uh, interesting to see how they planned and carried out this raid all right guys so without further ado let's get right into this bad boy
1: that no easy day is not about him he says it's a no easy day is the name of the book A tribute to the hundreds of americans who gathered intelligence planned and trained in the 10-year pursuit of the world's most wanted man. SEAL Team 6, he told us, just took care of the last 40 minutes. Was this a mission, was the plan to kill Osama bin Laden or
2: capture him before you went in? This was absolutely not a kill-only
0: mission. Keyword, not. Stop the cap. A kill only mission i i think their biggest thing was obviously to capture them right if they can so they can gain intelligence but at the same time let's be honest man if if they got a chance to clean to kill him let's you know it is what it is i mean this is the most wanted terrorist of all time but i could see why it was capture first kill if you must because obviously debriefing him would yield a whole bunch of intelligence
2: it was made very clear to us um throughout our our training for this that hey if given the opportunity this is this is not an assassination you will capture him alive if if feasible that was the preferred thing yes to take him alive if you could yeah yeah i mean we're not we're not there to assassinate somebody we weren't sent in to to murder him this was hey kill.
0: and also just want to let you guys know um also just to give you guys a quick little reminder keep in mind at this point the cia had identified where he was they tracked him using a courier because that was his only um, correspondence with the outside world, and they had been watching the compound for a few months. So this is leading up to the assault on the compound because at this point they identified it. They pretty much were 99% sure that he was there. So um, so you know, the, through the work of the CIA and the FBI working together, they were able to go ahead and identify the courier, which we broke down in the last episode as to how the CIA tracked bin laden down on in uh, in Abbottabad, pakistan so remember guys you, you know if you want to really understand this entire series here part one covers the fbi's investigation into 9-11 attacks who, how they were able to identify back to al-qaeda and bin laden part two is the cia's hunt for bin laden and how they're able to identify him and track him down to that courier and now part three is this episode that we're covering right now where we're going to actually go into excuse me we're actually going to go into how the uh seal tim six raided the compound killed bin Laden and what they found when they raided the compound, right? So let's keep going.
2: The Lord capture.
1: This is a first hand account from someone who was there. The raid, May 1st, 2011, had been years in the making, but in the moment, the best laid plans failed, leaving a small team of Americans to improvise victory from near disaster.
0: Yeah, and I wanna let y'all know that this was a very difficult mission, man. Everything that could go wrong, went wrong on this I, unless you saw the movie zero dark 30 or you've read extensively about this raid it was a clusterfuck man and the fact that these guys were able to pull it off uh smoothly after really goes to show that's why they're the military's elite unit man navy seal team six here
2: this operation was one of the most significant operations in u.s history and it's something that i believe deserves to be told right and deserves to to go to go on a-
0: and that's the name of the book, No Easy Day, the autobiography of a Navy SEAL, Mark Owen, uh, the first hand account of the mission that killed Osama bin Laden.
2: The book and, and stand for itself. You're in disguise as we do this interview today, and I wonder why. The focus shouldn't be on me. The focus should be on the book. I'm not trying to be special or, or a hero or anything. Um, I'm just trying to tell the bigger story. But you're in disguise also for your own security. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me
1: about that. What concerns you?
0: Yeah, so just so y'all know, this is what concerns him right here, okay? So this is the book, right? And, uh, you know, ended up doing really well with sales. But the issue here is that he actually got sued by the U.S. government, guys. They actually pursued criminal charges against him as well. So he ended up getting um, sued and having to pay out something like $1.8 million dollars in and, and a lawsuit on top of another 160 or 180 thousand dollars in consulting and other fees that he had earned from uh, all the all the speeches and stuff that he gave for the book um let's see here if i can find the exact figure for you guys yeah because he didn't get it cleared through the Pentagon before he published it which was obviously an issue because he had um he they signed uh let's see here According to DOD, Owen had signed a classified information non disclosure and a 2007 sensitive compartmentalized information SCI non disclosure statement that requires pre publication security review under certain circumstances, right? So, uh, you know, that was a big L for him on that one. Okay. Uh, in November 2014, Owen sued his lawyer. Oh, nope. Uh, let's see here. It was revealed recruited Owens in this uh, video game company. I'm trying to put here how much money he lost. Okay, in August 2016, Owen settled a lawsuit and agreed to pay back his royalties of U.S. $6.8 million to the U.S. government. Holy bro, God damn, that's a, another one right there, man. But I say all that to say this for you guys. The reason why this is extremely relevant is because the fact that the U.S. government wanted so much money from him, okay, and the fact that he got sued into the ground proves that what he's about to tell you guys is extremely factual and accurate. So typically, Garmin ain't going to sue you like that unless what you're saying is 1,000% true. So let's get back in the interview. Good for us, bad for him.
2: No, the the enemy has a, a long memory. And
1: so we spent a long time.
0: Yeah, so he he's more, you know, he's saying you're scared of the enemy, but the reality is he was more scared about being sued. That's That's what I read from this. But let's go why was
2: your squadron chosen for this particular mission was there something special about you nope nope certainly nothing special about me nothing special about the the 24 guys that were chosen nothing special about the our squadron it really could have been any number of guys you just happened to be a- well
0: they also happen to be one of the most elite units in military in, in the u.s military which is the strongest military in the world but uh, that's uh, no big deal
1: available humble guy <laughs> for training yes In April 2011, they had just returned from Afghanistan when they were told to report to North Carolina for an exercise. Give me the lay of the land here. What do we see? Owen walked into a top secret briefing room, saw a model of a compound and heard this from his
0: buddies. And when you deal like with stuff like this, guys, you know, anything that SEAL Team 6 is going to deal with nine out of ten times is going to be classified it's going to be, you know, SCI level, uh, you know, which has, which is why he got in so much trouble because he signed non-disclosure agreements when he was uh, in the military. So, yeah, the, already it's going to be a classified briefing room. No one else is going to really know what the hell's going on. Just a few people, and I mean, hell, guys, even people at the White House didn't know about this mission. I mean, even Michelle Obama didn't know at the time when and this happened on eleven when uh, President Obama was in office. So that just goes to show how few people actually knew about this operation.
2: What did they say today? We found bin Laden. Or we think we found bin Laden and they want us to uh, to come up, you know, rehearse and come up with a plan. If, if there's going to be a ground option approved, they want us to rehearse for one. What did you think? Awesome.
1: <laughs> the mission was Operation Neptune Spear under the authority of the CIA. The agency had tracked a bin Laden courier to a curious compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Now they've been guys, watching the com-
0: If you guys want more detail on that, watch the past episode, part two of the 9/11 series, where I broke down how the CIA was able to, through a lot of waterboarding, uh, go ahead and identify um, this courier and how they, they this courier um, tracked them back to uh, they tracked that courier back to Bin Laden
1: compound with satellites the house seemed too big for the neighborhood there was no telephone connection the people there burned their trash there was a wall
2: 12 feet high and a walled-in balcony who lived up there they briefed us on the individual they were calling the pacer the pacer the pacer so he would come out of the house and kind of walk around the yard to what was assessed to just be getting exercise where did the pacer pace over
1: here in this courtyard back here
0: mind you the CIA was watching him pretty much on drones and satellite guys
2: right so he would just gonna kind of walk out in here and a lot of the the vegetation out here was probably purposely planted so surveillance couldn't couldn't see down on him and he would just go round and round and round yep he'd walk around the yard sometimes he'd walk with the SS to be a, a female they just walk around the yard they'd never stop to help anybody do any work if there was other people in the yard working he never seemed to do any of that it's
0: above which, by the way, guys, his name was his real. It's, he wrote under the pen name Mark Owen, but his real name is Matt Bissonette. That's his real name, uh, obviously, because when they sued him, they had to get his real name, and obviously all that stuff was public. So,
2: Almost above it. Above
1: doing the manual labor. He was the boss, whoever he was. Correct. The Pacer had been in Abbottabad about five years. It's a well-to-do city of one million people. The compound was about a mile from the Pakistani Military Academy. In terms of the inside of the house, how much
2: did you know? Zero. Zero. So once you went through the door, you didn't know what you were gonna be facing. Right. But again, it goes back to that years of experience. I mean, we've, we've done this a million times. Raids like this were common many
1: nights in Afghanistan and Iraq. And looking at the model, the SEALs didn't think of this as particularly challenging. The tricky part, was getting there the U.S. wasn't telling Pakistan so the helicopters could be shot down
0: by Pakistan's modern air defenses so guys just to let you bring this just let you guys know how crazy this is the fact that Pakistan didn't know which I'm a little skeptical of that I have an idea that I think Pakistan did know to a degree uh but they had to keep a certain image so that they don't mess with you know geopolitical affiliations and everything else like that but um, the fact that you know, allegedly they didn't have to, they didn't notify them. Well, that's crazy, and um, they can easily get shot down by anti air defense. Um, which because you know, Pakistan, if I'm not mistaken, has nuclear weapons, guys. So, um, it's not like they're like a military weak power. You know, this isn't like Afghanistan or some shit, it's Pakistan. So, um, totally different countries, totally different militaries, totally different cultures, etc. So, uh, so that's a to fly in low to the ground, guys.
1: The pilots were from the Army's 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. Two modified Blackhawks, call signs Chalk 1 and Chalk 2, would drop 24 SEALs and a Belgian Malinois combat
2: dog named Cairo. Chalk 1, which is the one I was on, was going to hover over the compound here. We would drop the two fast ropes, slide down the ropes into the courtyard here, and then go about our business. Well, chalk two would land out here, just over here by the road, drop the external containment team off. They would provide security external. We'd have uh, uh, two men and our our combat assault dog would do a a quick patrol of the perimeter down to the south and around to make sure that there was no tunnels, underneath the walls if somebody did hear us coming and had time to escape. So
0: you guys can see here, man, they're really planning and making sure that they have their ducks in a row because this is a pretty dangerous mission, man. So they got to really, you know, make sure that the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. And on top of that, you guys got to remember, this is probably, you know, TSSCI level type information. I mean, probably higher than that. White House, damn near uh, Yankee White uh, clearance, right, which is typically only White House officials and people that really got to need to know, uh, know this type of information. So, yeah.
2: After dropping those guys off, the second helo was going to come up, hover over the third floor, drop off the remaining guys. They would then hop right down into the balcony, assaulting from the top down, and Argus would assault from the bottom up. A few days after
1: getting the mission, they had their plan. And so began weeks of rehearsals on a full-size version of the compound built in North Carolina. How many
2: times did you assault it? How many times did you train on it? (laughs) A lot when we got the mission and when we left for afghanistan we probably you know good get, probably get 100 times so
0: so and guys let me because i had similar training to this right when i was at fletzy right federal law enforcement training center so what they'll do is right they'll have raid houses right and when they have the raid houses the inside they can push certain walls down push certain walls up and what that does is it gives you a different training stimuli and they put different role players as they would say in the raid house so that they can go ahead and uh, attack you in different ways and pretty much what they're doing when they're hitting that house a hundred plus times is they're coming up with different scenarios maybe there's a guy in a doorway shooting at them immediately maybe there's guys roof on shooting them shooting down on them immediately maybe there's a situation where a door is locked how can they breach it, it, into the compound if a door is messed up so they're literally training guys for hundreds if not thousands of different scenarios that could occur during the the raid so um, so they're training that muscle to be ready to go you know, no matter what happens or whatever pops up, which this training ended up serving them very well, guys, because you guys are gonna see they get hit with a crazy um, situation when they go ahead and embark on the compound.
2: How unusual was this kind of training? Yeah, very unusual. i've never I've never had all the mockups. Um I've never rehearsed for something for three weeks. One rehearsal had an audience. The nation's highest ranking
1: officer, Admiral Mike Mullen, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the head of special operations,
0: Admiral uh, Eric Olson. Holy. Yeah, that's <laughs> you got the top dog watching you train. Yeah, that's going to put a little bit of motivation on you. Event, and
2: observers from the White House. Of One of the things that I like after the fact was I remember Admiral Mullen coming by and talking to each one of us and then admiral Olson as well and i thought that was that was cool that you know they they walked by shook each of our hands and said hey are are you guys ready can you guys pull this off and 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 i'm i'm pretty sure to a man we all said yes absolutely
0: yeah imagine guys like you trained your whole life for this you have went through the military you you're in the most elite unit and you got the top brass damn near people at the presidential level coming up to you shaking your hand and saying are you ready for this yo that's got to hype you up to another level. You're about to go after the most wanted man in the world, the the most wanted terrorist in the world, you know, behind the 9-11 attacks. I know you conspiracy theorists. Don't worry, we're going to cover the conspiracy uh, episode on the next uh, uh, pod, guys. Don't worry, t- take it easy. Um, but, yeah, you're thinking, like, holy shit, I am fucking psyched. I'm ready. So that's got to hype you up.
1: The team got several days off at home around Easter. Then, in late April, about a month after they got the mission, they loaded on a plane bound for a US base in Afghanistan. The president wasn't convinced yet. No one confirmed that bin Laden was the pacer. So SEAL Team Six was on standby. One of the passengers on their plane was a
2: CIA analyst who had spent five years on bin Laden's trail. I can't give her enough credit. I mean, she, uh, in in my opinion, she kind of teed up this whole thing and it was just, you know, wicked, smart, kind of feisty. Um, And she was, you know, we'd always talk back and forth. Hey, you know, what do you think the odds of this are? What do you think the odds of that are? And, you know, hey, you know, what what do you think? Think he's there? She's like 100%, 100% he's there. And you thought what? Well, we'll see. Three days later on April
1: 30th, the president was telling jokes at the annual White House Correspondents' Dinner. CIA director Leon Panetta's belly laugh was heard all across the room. Reporters in ball gowns and tuxedos had no idea that just a few hours before President Obama had ordered Panetta to launch the raid. Mr. Obama kept to his schedule, thinking that on this night, it was better to have reporters drinking and laughing than asking questions. When did you first hear that the
0: and just so you guys know, the woman that they're more than likely referring to is this woman right here. And we covered her, guys, in the last podcast for the CIA, Neda Bakos. Uh, she was very important in finding Bin Laden. Uh, see, here, here we go. to 2013 HBO documentary, Manhunt, The Search for Bin Laden. And I covered this on the last podcast. So go ahead if you guys want to go ahead and um, get some more information on her and the entire CIA team that actually was responsible for tracking down Bin Laden. It was a whole team of them, guys. And... You know i will say this on behalf of the cia they had been warning um president clinton back in the fucking 90s about bin laden guys and they didn't take action and they even warned uh, about imminent attacks imminent attacks in 2001 and that they still didn't take action so um the cia definitely had bin laden on their radar and they were warning uh, you know the higher-ups over at the white house but they just didn't take it serious until it was too late
2: president had approved your mission The commanding officer of our our command walked in and said, hey, just got off the phone. The mission's approved. What did you think? This This is big. This is cool. I'm glad I'm a part of it. The
1: raid was supposed to be April 30th, but the weather was bad. The next night, Vice Admiral William McRaven saw the men off. He was a SEAL, and he had planned the mission as head of the Joint Special Operations Command. Just before midnight, the Blackhawks started the sprint from the U.S. base in Jalalabad, Afghanistan to Abbottabad, about 150 miles away. The helicopters were blacked out against a clear moonless night. The army pilots guided by night vision goggles flew high speed, treetop level under Pakistani
0: radar. So just so you guys know, flying damn near tree level, that's dangerous. It's like, they're right there, guys. Like at one little error, and they're hitting the trees and they're crashing, okay? And there could be some serious injuries and or death in that situation. So, um, obviously, they had some of the top pilots manning those helicopters. But, yeah, that's got to be scary. And then, also, I want to show you guys this real quick, too. Um, right here, okay, it says here that – um so Steve Cole confirms that as of 2019, no direct evidence showing Pakistani knowledge of bin Laden's presence in Abbottabad has been found and that captured documents from the Abbottabad compound suggests bin Laden was wary of contact with Pakistani intelligence and police, especially in light of Pakistan's role in the erased, uh, uh, arrest of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, a.k.a. KSM, which, again, if you guys have been watching. Oh, my bad. Let me uh, let me show you guys this real fast. Um, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was pretty much the number two guy. He was the one that planned the 9-11 attacks. Um, he was like the mastermind behind them. All right. Uh, and his nephew was Ramsey Youssef, guys, who did what? He was the one that went ahead and planned the 1993 World Trade Center bombings. And again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but guys, it's really important that you go ahead and go over to FedIt, right? And I want you guys... Oh, Ted Bundy episode, by the way, posted that earlier. Um, I want you guys to go ahead and watch this episode most Osama Bin Laden and then also cover this one uh 9 how the FBI saw this so this is part one this is part two and then if you guys want a bonus watch this right here the 1993 World Trade Center bombing okay and this covers um the failed World Trade Center bombing pretty much the in 93 that was orchestrated by Ramsey Youssef. and then here is his uncle Kyle Sheikh Mohammed KSM and this guy got waterboarded to hell he's still alive he's I think he's down there in Guantanamo Bay but uh, I cover KSM extensively in the last episode and in the FBI episode with um, with the first 9-11 thing. So this all ties in together, guys, if th- you want this to make sense. But yes, that um, that is why bin Laden uh, didn't trust the Pakistani um, government, because the Pakistani government was uh, critical to the U.S. capturing KSM, who ended up giving up information that led to other members of Al Qaeda getting killed and or captured.
2: It was r- roughly an hour and a half. I remember, uh, you know, we took off, shut the doors, and and uh, the the radio call I heard was, um, you know, hey, we're we're over the border, we're crossing the border into Pakistan, and, and I remember thinking, wow, this is okay, this is happening, and uh, I, I swear I glanced around the helicopter, and and half the guys were sitting there asleep on the ride right in. was an hour and a half ride. The guys got to catch a, catch a few Z's on the way in. Wait a minute, your team is flying in
1: to. Osama bin Laden's compound, and they're
2: asleep? Yeah, no, it's your, it's your time to just kind of shut your eyes, relax, you know, uh, mentally walk through whatever you need to walk through. It was about one o'clock in the morning,
1: 66 degrees, 65
0: That goes to show you guys how well trained these guys are. They could go ahead and take a nap right before probably embarking on one of the most important missions of their military careers.
2: <laughs> 5% humidity with calm winds. At one minute, we opened the door and I just kind of swung my legs out and I'm sitting there looking down. I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is this is a beautiful, this is a beautiful spot. Houses with pools in the backyard, well lit, uh, manicured yards. Like, wow, well, this is definitely not, you know, the, the mud huts of Afghanistan. Somehow there was a
1: blackout in the neighborhood. No one will say whether that was luck or design, but it meant ideal darkness for the SEALs with their
0: probably uh probably by design but it's probably still classified so they can't say anything
1: for night vision goggles you could see the compound coming mm-hmm. you had the door
2: to the black hawk open mm-hmm. and your legs were swung outside right Just make a little more room be faster to you know quicker for everybody to get out and fast rope out of the helicopter so everybody's getting ready to fast rope and then all of a sudden we banked hard 90 degrees once we went hard 90 uh, I was very apparent that was some, something was wrong. Owen doesn't know what went wrong, but pilots say that a chopper can lose
1: lift when it drops into the turbulence of its own downdraft. Mm. And the turbulence would have been much worse because the downdraft was being magnified and reflected by the compound's walls.
0: Ah oh, shit, that is definitely not good. Let's see how they dealt with it.
2: These pilots are the best in the world. you don't you don't get better than these guys and and typically, they just boom, they move right in and they stick it. It's like parking a car for these guys, and and it was it was a rough <laughs> it was a rough ride. We we were pretty low, tail rotor and everything happened to miss this wall here, and then we were just kind of sliding and falling out of the sky this way. I was now in the front of the helicopter, although I was sitting on the left side. I was now in the front. My buddy right behind me, he uh, pretty much should have fallen out. If it weren't for him hanging on to me, there's a good chance I would have been thrown from the helicopter as the helicopter is going down what were you thinking this is going to suck you know hey wow
0: not to mention guys also the fact that they're creating quite a bit of noise okay you're supposed to come in kind of stealthy next thing you know it's like fucking pretty much doing a donna marco during a robbery DeMarco, right it's like what the hell's going on here so you know already Bin Laden and his people are like oh shit, the day has come you know what i mean the americans are here So they're they're gearing up too, ready to go. These guys are crashing uh, helicopters. (laughs) Oh my god! Ah man. Okay, let's keep going.
1: The carefully rehearsed plan was out the window before the first boot hit the ground. With one helicopter and half of the seals having crashed, the second helicopter abandoned the roof assault as too risky, and the seals began to improvise. One thing was sure now: the people in the house knew they were coming all right planned to slide down ropes onto the roof of the house mark owens group planned to rope down into the courtyard but owens helicopter crashed and now everything was changing for the most important counterterrorism assault in u.s history
2: tell me about the crash the pilot mentioned you know I remember him mentioning in the rehearsals, he's like, you know, if I have to ditch this thing, I'm gonna try and put it down in this courtyard. So that, that's exactly what he did. You could tell, you could hear the helicopter winding up. He was putting all the power on it, he could, but it wasn't helping. No, nothing. Came in and impacted, boom. Holy Had the angle been more, the rotors would have hit the ground, snapped off and, and caused us to roll. Had the tail rotor hit, obviously it would have broken, caused us to break and roll. The load bearing section of the tail landed precisely on the wall the strongest part of the tail just happened to land on the wall yep and the angle happened to be perfect it all came down to inches really inches either way we stopped the main rotor blades are still turning i don't think you could recreate that if you tried lucky lucky but again
0: sucky situation but the best of a sucky situation
2: huge props to these pilots i mean Everybody wants to meet the the guy who shot Lan. I want to meet the pilot. I mean, I wouldn't be here for more for him. If the
1: pilot had not brought your helicopter down intact, would the mission have failed?
2: No, I don't think so, because Chalk 2 was on the ground. and, And as soon as they saw us crash land, that Chalk 2 helicopter pilot saw that happen decided not to push the position to go to the roof and that's one thing that admiral mcraven said in in one of our very last rehearsals briefs dry runs right there in in afghanistan before we launched he stood up and he said hey listen don't try any fancy stuff just get the guys on the ground and and they'll figure it out you mentioned in the book that
0: one and that's what happens when you have operatives that are this skilled guys like you can really put them in almost any situation and they're gonna find a way to make it happen you know what i mean even with a <clears throat> horrible situation like this, they were able to improvise and make shit happen.
1: The Army pilots that was flying your team looked to you to be about 50 years old. He was definitely a little older. But I guess in, in this line of work, it's experience that matters. Yeah, yeah, he's probably been flying longer than I've been alive, so I, I, nothing wrong with that. They had planned to be on the ground 30 minutes, but now they were running late. Owen's team landed in
2: this courtyard, walled off from the house. So your team does what I ran out here, I turn around and look and I see the guys on the left side of the helicopter. They're sitting right at staring at the front door. So they simply hop out and go right to the front door like nothing happened. Go right to this door here. Yep.
1: The other helicopter landed outside the perimeter wall, dropped all of its seals and took off. Now what's your objective? What's your team supposed to do right now? We're clearing and securing the southern compound. You expect to find people in this building. And, you-
0: and when they say clear, guys, what that basically means is, a, uh, you know, a, making sure that there's no other threats and or humans. Right. Clear, secure. Then you move on. That's just how it goes. Room by room, systematically clear the area, clear, continue to push on. OK, and you don't push on until it's clear because you want to make sure that your six is covered at all times. So that's what they're saying. What, that's what he means when he says clear, secure, clear, secure.
2: Want to clear that building so the rest of the team can do what they need to do in here. Exactly. I think what seals are good at is what i consider pickup basketball we all know how to play the game you know our, our you hear the saying in the teams is can you shoot move and communicate so we all know how to shoot we all know how to move efficiently and and tactically and we can communicate clearly so
0: and that right there my friends is why they're the most elite unit in the world and the fact that the um you know the president and you know the admiral sent them in They're sending the best and brightest in there, right? So even though with the helicopter crash and everything else coming down, they're able to adapt to the situation. They've been a worse situation. That's why, you know, budge training is so hard, right? So that when you actually do get the job or you do get the mission, guess what? It's fucking easy, right? That's what you train for. You train so that when you actually do the real thing, it comes off as easy.
2: When something goes sideways, we're able to play that pickup basketball and just kind of read off each other.
1: Now the seals were in several groups. One group was outside the perimeter wall to make sure no one escaped. The group that was supposed to rope to the roof was outside the wall looking for a way in. Owen led his team to the outer building
2: where they expected to find one of bin Laden's couriers. We got to the door. Obviously, we made tons of noise at this point. It had taken a little longer to get there. So, you know, the element of surprise is is slipping away quickly. We got to the the double doors.
0: Oh, you, you mean it's gone, my friend.
2: I tried it once real quick. It was locked. My buddy who was with me is carrying a sledgehammer, pulls it out, gives it a couple good swings. Nothing. Door's not going anywhere. Kind of solid metal. Um, so I'm like, okay, we're going explosive. They'll carry explosive charges. I, I pulled one off, got on my knee, and started setting it. And right as I was attaching it, around started coming through the door at us. Somebody who started. Oh,
0: shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh,
2: shit. <laughs> so
1: they're
0: starting to get shot at now. So they're compromised, guys
2: shooting at you from inside the house and the and the bullets were coming through the door yep immediately my buddy who was who' was standing up started returning fire i could yeah i kind of rolled away from the door blindly returned fire back through you couldn't see what was on the other side and then it went quiet thankfully the seal that was there with me that initially returned fire with me spoke arabic so he immediately started calling out to the people inside started hearing the metal latch on the inside of the door
0: uh for some of you guys that might have not saw the pod before uh, Bin Laden and his family are Saudis, okay, um, with Yemeni background. But either way, their uh, their language is Arabic. So um, they're not Pakistani. They're not Afghani, which they speak different languages, but they're Arabs, okay? They're from Saudi Arabia. So um, to have a, a seal there that speaks Arabic is huge.
2: What Are they Are they going to come out with a suicide vest? Are they going to throw a hand grenade out? Are they going to you know spray their AK? Door opens up, a female holding a kid, a couple kids right behind her. You got your finger on your trigger and you're looking at a woman with her children no yeah. yeah split second I mean we just received fire my buddy speaking Arabic
0: and guys you know obviously you know 2020 hes him talking back about it that's one thing but man when you're in the moment like that and you, you know you got a gun to people's to people which i have been in that situation before, and you don't know if you got to pull it it's it's a nerve wracking moment guys and I could only imagine it's even high, it's heightened to another level because you already know you're going into enemy territory where there's more than likely going to be a gunfight, probably not going to go ahead and uh, surrender willingly. these guys are terrorists, you're in a foreign country they're shooting at you yeah it, it's it, it's it's different guys it's way different
2: she's asking her you know hey Where's your husband? What's going on? And she replies back to him, he's dead, you shot him.
0: Which, keep in mind, guys, Bin Laden, you know, uh, had multiple wives and his sons living with him on the compound.
2: Owen
1: didn't notice until later, but he was bleeding, a shoulder wound from a fragment
2: of something in the firefight. Yeah, I just got a little piece of frag in in my shoulder from some of the rounds that came through. It it really wasn't a a major wound at all. But um, I carry a set of bolt cutters to cut locks with when I got back you know I was checking my gears any holes or anything and, and I pull out the bolt cutters and I've got the bullet stuck in the handle so the bullet just just missed me by a little bit the handle stick up either side of my head right right by your neck but you don't consider that to be a big deal no plenty of other guys have, have suffered much 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 worse so it's not 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 a big deal
0: nothing to end the office
2: <laughs> within five minutes these
0: guys are hardcore man
1: Owen's team cleared the outer house. More SEALs entered the compound and converged on the first floor of the main building. Inside, they found another courier with an assault rifle. Those SEALs were in the process
2: of shooting the second gunman. Right. And his wife jumped in front of him. All the women on target were very... Hostile is something very different than what we see in Afghanistan or Iraq. You typically don't see the women that are this aggressive and, and hostile. Even though the, the females had come out of this building and talked to us, they were still very combative and, and aggressive. So, and we saw that throughout the entire compound, even all the way up on the third floor. They secured the ground floor and then the second floor. The team continued to
1: head up these stairs single file. The first seal in line is called the point man owen at this point was right behind him number two going up to the third floor the seals had been told they could expect one of osama bin laden's sons
2: guys start making their way up the stairs and um, it's quiet it's pitch black in the house no no lights all night vision get to the second floor intel had said we think that khalid his son lives on the second floor this is osama bin laden's son Yeah. The guy in front of me, who's, who's point man, he sees the head pop out and disappear really quick around the corner. It's like, okay, you know, wh- what do you, who is it? What do you think? Kat? I don't know. He literally whispers, not, not amped up, not yelling, not anything. He, he whispers, hey Khalid, Khalid, whispers Khalid's name. Doesn't know if it's Khalid or not. Khalid literally looks back around the, around the edge of the, the hall and he shoots him what was khalid thinking at that time?
0: bam got him right upside the head man uh,
2: look around the corner you know curiosity killed the cat
1: i guess khalid too it had been 15 minutes since the crash it was now about 1:15 a.m give me a sense of what this scene is like in there i mean are these guys yelling and charging up the stairs
2: is there a lot of action how's it unfolding you know, it's, it's not like the movies. You know, movies make it out to be, you know, loud and, and crazy and everybody's yelling. It's This is what we do. We're really good at it. And so it's quiet, calm, like we've done it a million times before. We have a saying, you know, don't, don't run to your death. So nice and slow. And we head up the stairs.
0: And just so you guys know, um, that's the best way to clear a house, man. It used to be like police back in the day used to call it dynamic entering where you'll walk into a house and you just like start hitting corners and go do it quickly. No, that's not the way to go. Now special ops or any type of uh tactical team, they typically don't do dynamic anymore. What they do is they do systematic clearing where you're slowly going in, you're go, you know, you're you're checking corners, you're making sure. See, I'm getting back in my tactical days back then, right? This this is what they do back then. Okay, so I'm looking here blah blah blah. blah. Uh they used to call them the tackle the tackle berries, right? Uh at the on the on the um in the academy but either way yeah you're systematically clearing you're looking at corners because if you clear the corner then you know that, that that's clear and then bam that's clear and then okay the room's empty all right boom now i'm on to the next room and you just continue on clearing so that's how they're doing it slow nice methodical don't rush into your death that's yeah that's 100 like you know higher level training right there my friends so you know i've done some tactical training myself as far as like clearing homes and everything else like that of course with my background so speaking my language
1: Khalid is dead on this landing. The point man is stepping past Khalid, and now you're number two in the stack. You're right behind the point man. Yep.
2: I kind of try to look around him, hear him take a couple shots, kind of see a head. Somebody disappear back into the room.
1: The point man had seen someone stick his head out a door Mm -hmm.
2: and shot him just the way he'd shot Khalid. Yep. What did you do then? Um, Inside the room, I could see a body laying on the ground over him was was two females real close to the door they looked up and saw the saw the point man he steps in to the room literally rushes the two women grabs one under each arm and pushes them back against the far wall so if they did have a suicide vest on and they did blow themselves up that they wouldn't that that wouldn't affect the rest of the guys but it would have killed him yeah
0: told you these guys are hardcore man best in the business baby America,
2: you stepped into the room and saw the man lying on the floor what did you do myself and the the next assaulter in we both engaged him several more times and then rolled off and then continued clearing the room when you say you engaged him what do you mean it fired you shot him
0: yeah that's what engaged means my friend yeah
2: he's still moving stupid a, lo- a little bit but you couldn't see his arms couldn't see his hands so he could have had something could have had a hand grenade or something underneath his chest
1: so after Osama bin Laden is is wounded he's still moving you shot him twice a handful of times a handful of times and the seal in the stack behind you also shot Osama bin Laden and at that point his body was still yes did you recognize
0: now this is kind of a point of contention here because um the person that everyone thinks killed bin Laden is this guy right here Rob O'Neill okay uh, Robert J. O'Neill is a former United States Navy SEAL TV news contributor and author after participating in May 11th Operation Neptune Spear with SEAL Team 6. O'Neill is a subject of controversy for claiming to be the sole individual to kill Osama Bin Laden. So, yeah, he claimed that he shot him three times. I think uh, in his own words, he two-tapped him, which means uh double shot to the chest and then he one-tapped to the head uh, was, what he, was uh, how he did it. Um, but, you know, obviously in this account of events, this guy is saying that he also was involved in the shooting and killing uh and you know let's rewind it a little bit just to make sure we got that right but that's what it sounds like to me but everywhere else I mean uh we're, we're, so we don't really know if he did it by himself or he was involved as well
2: he couldn't see his arms couldn't see his hands so he could have had something could have had a hand grenade or something underneath his chest so after Osama bin Laden is, is
1: wounded he's still moving you shot him twice a handful of times a handful of times and the seal in the stack behind you also shot Osama bin Laden. And at that point, his body was still. Yes.
2: Did you recognize him? No. You know, everybody thinks it was like, you know, it's him.
0: And we're going to get Rob O'Neill on the show as well, guys. He's done a couple podcasts. I think it's called the Operator Podcast. You know, shout out to him. Uh, But we will definitely have him on the pod as well. I'm just uh, ironing that out for y'all for fresh and fit. So stay tuned for that. No to us at that time it could have hey, you know i'll ask him about this interview actually when, when we bring him on the show
2: Been anybody maybe this is another brother maybe this is a bodyguard maybe it doesn't matter the point is is to just continue clearing by now 20 minutes had
0: passed. yeah guys when yeah when you're in a house a foreign house like that your goal is not to sit there like mm, i wonder who this is like no you got to just keep clearing the goddamn house so i completely understand where he's coming from
1: passed Every single thing that the woman with the CIA had told them on the plane had been right. But time was running out. Throughout the raid, the remaining helicopter was in the air. It only had enough gas to stay for 30 minutes or so. Pakistani neighbors had discovered the seals posted outside the compound wall. And it couldn't be long before the Pakistani military would know they were there.
0: And that's not going to be good for foreign relations. Seal
1: was charged with keeping an eye on his wristwatch and calling out the dwindling time on the radio. 20 minutes, 15, 10. We'll be right
0: back. All right. Obviously, this is made for TV and TV's trash. Got y'all, though.
2: And, you know, they were always gray. His beard was was dark black. Identifiably, he was very tall. So, OK, you know, I can kind of
0: bin Laden was six foot four. And then also just so y'all know, bin Laden spent quite he's referring to bin Laden, by the way, when he's speaking. Uh Bin Laden re- dyed his beard often to uh, not make himself look old, because uh which we're going to get into it here and his hard drive. He was always preparing to do speeches. He always filmed a lot of speeches and he didn't like the appearance of uh, of gray uh, on his beard. So uh that is why it was it was that way
2: chalk that up as as something bin laden was about six foot four right his nose to me was something that i could i could kind of identify so you know kind of looking at the profile shots and everything
0: keep in mind he had been shot in the head so it's a little bit harder to identify him you know what i'm saying (laughs)
2: everything i was like okay i was was pretty sure that was him but you know i'm not willing to make that call um certainly not at that point not
1: willing because uh, owen says they suspected the president was listening at the white house
0: and he was right the hel- yes, they were. They were watching the whole thing live, guys. <laughs> Could you imagine that shit? You're watching a stream live of these dudes going in like on some video game type shit.
1: Helicopter crash had been reported up the chain of command. Owen says the SEALs wanted proof before anyone said anything on the radio about killing Osama
2: bin Laden. They turned to one of the SEALs in the room who spoke Arabic. So he moved out to where the women and kids were, grabs one of the, the younger kids, says, hey, who, who is that inside? She says Osama. Osama who? Osama bin Laden. The the child. The child identified him. So, grabbed one of the females, asked her
0: again. God damn, that's that's fucking cold-blooded.
2: Say, hey, who is that? She said, Osama bin Laden. So does a cheer go up among the seals? You start shaking hands, patting each other on the back? <laughs> Not, nothing. It's all all business. One
0: o'clock. Bro, what the hell do you <laughs> could you imagine? Hey, yeah, we got him, America. Fuck yeah! You know, they start fucking cheering in there with the kids and the fucking mom there sobbing because he's dead on the floor. Like, bro, come on, man. This fucking guy, man.
2: (laughs) So we call up the commanding officer. He comes upstairs, looks at the body. We give him what we have so far. Hey, here's what he looks like. Take a look. He's tall. Women and kid confirm it. He took one look. Said, okay, I think that's him.
1: The commander used the code word for bin Laden, Geronimo as he passed the message to admiral mcraven for god and country he said i pass geronimo geronimo e-k-i-a which stands for enemy killed
2: in action when they round the corner, 20 minutes had passed 10, 10 minutes left on the schedule on the we wanted to collect dna samples we wanted to take photographs of them and then we wanted duplicate copies of that so Obviously, we're taking the body out, but if a helicopter got shot down on the way out and it had the body, we wanted the other helicopter to have DNA and photos so they'd have some sort of evidence that said, hey, we do have them, and here it is. You want to duplicate
0: Bam, yeah. So that's how the government operates, guys. Two copies of everything, goddammit. That's how they do it everywhere in the government, whether it's you know, a lowly worker working for TSA all the way up to the SEALs. Doubles of everything, man. <laughs> uh, and in this case, they had an actual real reason. You know, Obviously, their helicopters could get shot down. Obviously, they're past schedule at this point. Um, they actually took longer to do the raid, guys, because what ended up happening was – they uh, found a bunch of diskettes. They found c- papers. They found um, thumb drives, etc. So they actually had to stay a full 18 minutes longer than expected to go ahead and get all the documents to you know for further analyzation. So, you know, at this point, who knows what the hell's going to happen? The police are probably being called. Military might being be getting notified. There was a military base very close to this to um, Belalas compound. And remember, they didn't, you know, get country clearance to enter. So this is almost an act of war, what they're doing, by the way, guys. This is very serious implications here. The only reason they're able to do this to Pakistan is because, well, quite frankly, we can bully Pakistan around. That's the only reason why they could do it. But if you did this shit to another world power, bro, this is an act of fucking war. You brought military personnel into the country, no clearance, go in, kill someone, take the body, take the possessions, etc., commit murder, right? That's essentially what it is, even though they're murdering a terrorist, right? Good thing. But in the eyes of Pakistani law, this is illegal, right? So you go in there, kill them, you know, raid the house, all this other stuff, kill a bunch of other dudes, and then you leave? Bro, you know, this is some serious shit. So they're obviously have some very serious implications. I guarantee you the U.S. probably had to give a bunch of goddamn financial aid to Pakistan after this shit. (laughs) We definitely owed them a couple steak dinners, if you know what I'm saying
1: gets of everything. Yeah, just in case you thought of everything. We tried one seal took blood and saliva samples.
2: Owen took the pictures. I figured these were the probably some of the most important photos I'd ever taken in my life. So, you know, make sure I do it right, get good angles and, and all this other stuff. But,
0: you know, you, you know, he definitely took a selfie, you know, for a fact, that boy. took. Eh! <laughs> I guarantee you he took a fucking selfie, man. Oh, man. He probably had to get the right angles, right? This is 2011. This is before Instagram filters, guys. So you have to make sure he knew what he was doing in this one. <laughs> you
2: got to clean off the face so you it's as identifiable as possible. So one of my buddies had a Camelback with with some water in it, got some, you know, spread.
0: Because they shot him in the head, so obviously they had to clean the blood off his face. Some water on him, took a
2: sheet off the bed, kind of wiped the blood off, and then took photos. Wiping the blood off of Osama bin Laden's
1: face. Camelback is one of those backpacks that has a water bladder in it, and you use it to drink water out of, but you used it to wash his face, Mm -hmm. and you shot pictures of his face in a profile. Can you describe what they look like? they're pretty gruesome well when you say
0: and just so you guys know they put makeup on this guy and they adjusted his voice he doesn't really look that weird or whatever it may be it's just that they had to put uh an insane amount of makeup cosmetic stuff on his face you know that's why he has that weird glassy look to him but uh but yeah it's a disguise and they adjusted his voice in the playback so what was that christina
3: didn't he
0: still get sued though? Yeah, he still got sued. Yeah, because they were able to figure out. I mean, <laughs> it was like twenty guys that did the mission, so they were able to figure out who he was immediately. I
3: mean, he did say
4: his position
0: in the yeah. League, so. so yeah, <laughs> and, and he had done like a couple of speeches and stuff like this too. That so makeup nothing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was an L <laughs>
2: gruesome. What, what are we talking about? He had, a, he had a bullet wound in the head. So <laughs> the, that gruesome.
1: Two out, SEALs so took up. the body downstairs and zipped Bin Laden.
0: And that's a big part of the reason why they didn't release the pictures of uh, uh, of his body, because they didn't want to incite other terrorists or anything else like that, because, you know, it can inspire other, you know, jihadists to try to, you know, do something.
1: Into a bag. In the bedroom, Owen found
2: an assault rifle and a pistol on a shelf. And some people would argue that, you know, why did that point man take those shots? Well immediately the first door we went to my team was engaged by enemy fire through the door so automatically we, we know we're going into it uh an enemy compound shots being fired back at us immediately ak found next to khalid on the stairs all those boxes have been checked that
0: guys so basically all these other idiots made it a lot worse for bin laden so they were already going up there by the time they encountered him last they assumed that he was going to try to shoot, you know, because all the curves and his son had shot.
2: Sticks his head around the corner. He very easily could have a gun. You don't wait to...
0: Or at least had weapons. I know the son, I don't think he, I don't know if he shot, but he had access to a weapon. Um, it's just that he was an idiot and poked his head out and ended up getting hit with that fucking...
2: Get that AK or the, or the grenade thrown down the hall or the suicide vest. So in the split second, that's when he engaged. He did have a gun, but he didn't use it. And I
1: wonder what you make of that.
2: I think I think in the end he he taught a lot of people to do, you know, martyr themselves and, and um, he masterminded the 9-11 attacks. But in the end, he wasn't even willing to roger up himself with a gun and, and put up a fight. So I think that speaks for itself. Back on the second floor, the seals were grabbing computers,
1: discs, flash drives, videotapes, more priceless intelligence than they could
2: carry. There was so much stuff in this house. The guys were just stuffing this stuff in garbage bags. We we had carried bags with us. But we filled all these bags up, so you just find some, you know, an old gym bag on Target, dump out whatever's in it, and, and, and use that. As we were running out, I look over my buddy, he's got a bag of stuff in one hand, like you know, Santa Claus running out of there, but a bag full of goodies in one hand that he'd collected, and a, uh, a computer terminal in the other. The plan had been to be on the ground for 30
1: minutes, but now they were a few minutes late. It was after 1:30 a.m
2: now things are starting to pick up outside people have obviously woken up at this point they're they're coming over to investigate what's going on they were the neighbors and they had a lot
1: of questions for the seals standing guard outside the wall
0: oh yeah i'm sure of that well, who the hell are you dudes all tacked out with night vision goggles and camouflage and y'all can't speak Urdu or none of this who the hell are you motherfucker? man? because the neighbors didn't know that
4: he was there right
0: no nah, they didn't know it was ben london nah. They just knew whoever lived there probably had some money, though, with that big-ass compound.
2: So that's where things keep... Which,
0: by the way, you guys, we got to watch that episode that I did on uh, bin Laden and the CIA. When bin Laden's father died, guys, I think in 1969, just so y'all understand this, bin Laden was worth $25 million, okay? $25 million, guys, real quick, in uh, 1969, $25 million in 1969 today is the equivalent to let's see here 25 i'm doing the inflation calculator right now for y'all okay that is the equivalent to here i'll just show you guys instead of you guys thinking i'm cap here it is the equivalent to 200 oh my bad it is a thank you it is the equivalent to 202 million dollars and 10 cents today that's what he was worth guys Back in 1969, when his father died, if I'm not mistaken, of a plane accident, right? And when his father died, just so y'all understand this as well, okay, his construction company, because that's how the Bin Laden's made all their money, was worth $5 billion, which is the equivalent today of $44 billion, okay? And I did the, I already did the math on that one. So uh, Bin Laden had some money. A lot of people think he was just some poor dude in the cave somewhere, but. Yeah, quite a bit of money, guys. But didn't
3: he get like cut off though?
0: Uh, okay, he didn't. So the Saudi government tried to get him cut off. Yeah. But they ended up because uh, they said like, they, they they couldn't like cut off his money though because yeah. he already had already had it. But they they were because he was getting a seven million dollar a oh, year literally. allowance.
3: Yeah, and then he say like the that the like, king yeah. was like, no, not.
0: And, and quick little what Christina is referring to. So okay, quick little recap for y'all. Okay, so what happened? Right, rewind this thing. So. The, the the Bin Laden and a bunch of resistance fighters were successful in keeping away the Russians, a.k.a. the Soviet Union, for inv- from invading in Afghanistan, which, by the way, Bin Laden got a lot of aid from the United States to fight off the Russians during this conflict in the 80s. Okay. Started in 1979, ended sometime in the 80s, right before the Soviet Union collapsed in, I think, 91. So, uh, so after that, right, guess what happened? Saddam Hussein decides to invade Kuwait. And that obviously poses a national security risk for the Saudi uh, for Saudi Arabia. So bin Laden, high office victory from the Soviets, he's like, listen, we can fight these guys. I have an army, we have right, and this is the beginnings of Al Qaeda now at this point, right? His resistance fighters. Hey, we're trained up, we just beat the Soviets, we can do this as well. But what does the uh, the Saudi royal government want to do? They say, No, we're gonna go ahead and use the Americans. The Americans are gonna, you know, help us deal with Saddam Hussein and Iraq. And to Bin Laden, he looked at this like betrayal because number one, they're in his eyes infidels, right? It's the West; they're Americans; they're they're not Muslims; they shouldn't be, you know, fighting a holy war uh, like like I should be fighting for us. This is a problem, etc. And he didn't like the United States because the United States. Obviously uh supports Israel and any you know we all know the Middle East hates the US because of Israel, and everybody in the Middle East hates Israel for obvious reasons because of the Palestinian conflict, right? I don't want to make this a geopolitical podcast, but these are just some basic things that you guys need to know so you can understand where this deep-seated hatred comes from. So since bin Laden wasn't allowed to fight the Iraqis, aka Saddam Hussein's regime, uh, when they invaded Kuwait, he spoke poorly about the um Saudi government slash royal family. And they uh stripped him of his Saudi Arabian citizenship, and he was exiled, so he went and hid in Sudan for a while, and al Qaeda operations moved there and uh And yes, for you guys that are wondering, yes, my parents are from north Sudan, ha ha ha, make your jokes. so anyway, but he's not sudanese uh so the, at what at this time, you know back in like early '90s, Sudan was one country now there's North Sudan and South Sudan, now North Sudan is the Arab north, which is where my family's from Khartoum, and that's where uh, Osama was in the early '90s. Right, so he got a Saudi, uh, uh, a Sudanese pa- passport, etc. So, um, so that's where, uh, the hatred came, and that's how he ended up getting, uh, problems with the Saudi government. It was his, for his criticisms of the Saudi government utilizing the United States for protection against Saddam Hussein and the invasion in Kuwait. Um, and this obviously stems from the petrodollar and the United States making an alliance with Saudi Arabia, saying that we will protect you guys, um, from all you know. Types of issues and/or invasions or whatever, because for obvious reasons, Saudi Arabia controls the oil. And as long as the Saudi Arabian government agreed that all oil deals would be done in U.S. dollars, which guess what? The entire world's got to use U.S. dollars to buy oil. Oil is the bloodline of the world, and that right there ensures that the U.S. dollar stays in power, stays the reserve currency. And that, my friends, is how the petrodollar was created. Uh, I know that was a very rough explanation of it, but. That right there is how Osama made his millions upon millions, how his family made billions, his exile from Saudi Arabia to Sudan, and why he hates the United States and how the issues started with him in the United States. It stems from support of Israel and from them taking over and protecting the Saudi Arabian kingdom from Iraq, which he feels the United States had no business on Islamic lands. All right, let's keep going
2: real dynamic for that
0: team. how's that, Christine? how's that explanation yeah not bad I
2: mean, team outside somebody wants to know what was inside. going on inside that team had way more responsibility than just about anybody else because they were dealing with all the what-ifs outside what if the police showed up or the military we're running out of time we got to get going there's neighbors approaching the interpreter that was out here said hey there's a police operation going on here go back to your homes." And they'd simply go back away. Among the unfinished business was the crashed
1: helicopter. It was a
0: secret design. <laughs> that thing is still there. Now, this is gonna be interesting here. What they have to do here.
1: Loaded with secret gear. They had to blow it up. A message.
0: Yeah, because the pl- the helicopter guaranteed was probably had technology in it that was classified to a high level. So yeah. <laughs>
1: Was passed to their explosives expert, called the EOD man. Prep it to blow,
2: they said. But the "it" in the message was a little vague. The EOD guy thinks he means prep the house to blow. (laughs) So there we are in the middle. Wait,
0: prep the house to blow? What? (laughs) Oh, what the
2: fuck? this and he's like okay
0: well i guess he's gonna you know they knocked down the twin towers we are gonna knock down his house roger that prepping to blow so he's running around the first floor of the house
2: setting his charges getting ready to blow up the house and somebody looks over and was like dude dude what are you doing he's like oh i'm prepping it to blow. He's like not not the house the helicopter well he hadn't got the word that there was a helicopter even down he's like what helicopter it's like the one in the courtyard go take a look so he runs outside Sees the helicopter, and then, and then they proceed to-
0: And remember guys, they were split into different teams, so that's why that guy might have not known that.
2: To rig it
1: to blow. It was past time to go. Two large helicopters called CH-47s, filled with reinforcements and fuel, had been standing by during the raid. The remaining Blackhawk would return for half of the seals,
2: a CH-47 would pick up the rest. The Blackhawk that's picking us up lands first. We run through the field, carrying the body in the body bag load the the remaining Black Hawk and then we slowly lift off and move away while they're waiting for the 47 to come in the timer on the charges is ticking down the explosion on this helicopter is coming how much time have they got not much left minutes
0: they're, they're under 30 seconds And guys they have to blow it up because it's a classified probably designed they don't want foreign uh the, the Pakistani government, you know, any other terrorists to get a hold of this plane and be able to get access to mil, uh, US technology. So they have to blow it up.
2: It's they're running down. The team leader that was in charge of the demo team He gets a hold of the commanding officer, gets him on the radio talking to their 47, tells the 47 to do a go around as he's doing the, the go around of the South. Boom, the charge goes. Our Blackhawk's already gone. This explodes, big, big, huge explosion. The 47 comes right back around, lands, the guys load on, and now they're airborne. We're done. We're clean from the target.
1: That glow at the compound was the helicopter on fire. The SEALs were on the ground about 38 minutes, which meant their Black Hawk had been in the air, waiting a
2: little longer than planned. Sure enough, I'm sitting in the helicopter, and you turn around and look in the cockpit, and I see flashing red lights. Well... I'm not a pilot, but anything flashing red in a in a vehicle is typically not good. Those gas gauges were.
0: And just so you guys know, I'll tell you guys this from my training experience as well. So when I've been on surveillance, I hated using helicopters because helicopters can only be up in the air for like 30 minutes, bro. 30 minutes to an hour, depending on, you know, the gas tank and the size of the helicopter. But the thing is, is that they have to constantly go and refuel, guys, because it burns up gasoline. So, um, So I could only imagine for them, like, oh, shit. We're behind schedule. The chopper's here. Are we going to have enough gas to make it back over the border into Afghanistan? So I I totally understand where he's coming from here because helicopters fucking suck.
2: We're about to
1: run out. For gas. Out of fuel. During their escape, the SEALs were forced to land in Pakistan. One of the CH-47s was waiting on the ground and refueled their Blackhawk. The Pakistanis didn't get you on the way in, but you're concerned they're going to get you on the way out. Sure. We got to get out of here. When did you know that you were out of power? Pac-
0: because once again, guys, keep in mind they're in a foreign country. They committed something which many would look at as an act of war. Okay. They didn't notify them. Zero country clearance. If anything happened, guys, let me tell y'all this. I guarantee you, they probably can't say this during the interview, but if uh let's say they had to engage like the Pakistani government or some shit like that, and the military showed up or whatever, they would have got into the in, into the uh <laughs> into a firefight. And the U.S. government would have wiped their hands clean. We don't know who them niggas are. We, 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 what? what uh, I, I don't know. Obama be sitting at the freaking uh, at the table with the Pakistani president like, with amnesia, like, oh, I didn't clear this. I didn't know about this at all. Blah, 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 blah. Guaranteed, bro. Guaranteed that they probably had orders like, yo, if you guys engage with the foreign government or whatever it may be, eh, this does not come from the president, you know? Geopolitics is very sensitive, guys. That's why they're freaking out to get out of the country because they're not supposed to be there, guys.
2: Pakistan. They radioed over. Mm-hmm. Came on over the radio, said, Hey, we're back. We're back in Afghanistan. And Bam. you felt what? Big sigh of relief.
0: That's a Don fucking DeMarco. Yeah! <laughs> Don DeMarco. Uh, DeMarco. Yeah, what they did, guys, was wild, right? From a geopolitical standpoint
2: wow we might have actually pulled this off this
1: is crazy was there ever a point Mark in which you shook hands with each other
2: slapped each other on the back yeah once we landed everybody kind of hugged and high-fived and took a couple photos and you know it was our our five minute hey cool we pulled this off good job and then it was back to work in his book
0: Owen all right so let's go ahead and we're going to move on over to what they actually found in bin Laden's compound guys okay examining. The Bin Laden papers, okay? Uh, I remember this day right here when Bin Laden addressed the nation.
5: I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama Bin Laden. Whoa!
4: The operation called Neptune Spear took 30 minutes, but then one seal alerted...
0: 38 minutes.
4: Command that they found a ton of computers and electronics and needed more time. The SEALs were granted 10 more minutes that stretched into 18. They grabbed computers, VHS tapes, books, thumb drives, hard drives, and notebooks, carrying them out in bags strung around their neck. How important was that last-minute decision by the SEAL team to
3: take those documents? Bin Laden's greatest fear was about exposing al-Qaeda's secrets. And so the fact that the SEALs decided to recover these these letters, ensured that Al Qaeda's secrets were exposed.
0: In two- really interesting stuff here that we're about to see, guys. Let's get into it, baby.
4: 2012, Nellie Lahoud was teaching at West Point when the CIA declassified the first 17 documents from the raid. She was asked to lead the analysis of those documents for West Point's Combating Terrorism Center. For the last five years, she's been.
0: She's obviously a fluent Arab speaker, Ar- Arabic speaker, so. Uh, This is going to be good stuff here, guys.
4: Reading, translating and analyzing the remaining declassified documents, consulting with U.S. generals, admirals and members of the special forces community to make sense of it all. (laughs) There are home videos like this one of Osama bin Laden's son, Hamza,
0: which, by the way, Hamza. Okay, guys, um, he was killed under the Trump administration uh, in 2019. Um, Hamza. Bin Laden. Uh, he was killed. Let's see here. Died 2019. They don't have the exact exact day, but this is him right here. This was him at his wedding, uh, that, that photograph. Um, Hamza bin Laden, Bin Laden's uh, uh, Laden, better known as Hamza bin Laden, was Saudi Arabian-born member of al-Qaeda. He was a son of uh, al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden, and following his father's death in 2011, he was described as an emergency leader within a group, which is why they killed him in 2019. Did they have a date on when they got him? I know Trump confirmed it. Uh, Okay, so they're not 100% sure. They killed him in either 2017 or 2019. He was 28 to 30. So they don't even know, I guess. Um, How do you not know? Interesting.
4: No.
0: Okay, and the uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia announced on March 1st, 2019, they revoked Bin Laden's citizenship through a royal decree signed in November 2018. Yeah and they did the same thing to his father they they took his citizenship away as well which by the way just so you guys know Saudi Arabian citizenship is very difficult to get um and i think the reason why they were able to take it away from these guys is because bin laden uh his family is actually from yemen uh he's from he's from yeah he's from Haramut, yemen right here is where he's from uh and we covered this in the original podcast uh the last episode i did guys we talked about the uh bin laden's background um, which a lot of you guys were interested in as to how how he had all that money. And, uh, you know, I w- I'm i surprised that more Americans don't know that bin Laden was extremely wealthy. Like, how the hell are you going to wage jihad against the United States when you don't got no money, bro? <laughs> you know, you got to have money. Um, But, yeah, here he is. He's a Saudi millionaire from uh, Hadramut, Yemen, and was the founder of uh, the construction company, his father. Okay, Mohammed bin Awad bin Laden, his father. So, and like I said before, back in 1969 when he passed away, the the construction company, guys, was worth $5 billion back then, which is the equivalent of $44 billion today. So he would be right up there with Bill Gates, all right? And bin Laden got $25 million of that, which is, I think, the equivalent, as we said earlier, $220 million today.
4: Getting married in Iran. Family photos, audio files, and letters. 500,000 files in all. Nellie Lahoud focused on 6,000 pages of them for her book, The Bin Laden Papers. So you were creating kind of a narrative based on all of the documents. And you
3: couldn't do it any other way. You couldn't have a division of labor where several people would take on because they're all so connected. Vague references in one letter can only be explained if you looked at several other letters. So really to to get a grasp of what was really going on, you really need to be able to have read them all together.
0: And there's probably a purpose for that, right? So if you find one piece of paper um and you don't understand the context of the totality of the circumstances you're not going to be able to know what the hell is going on right so i'm sure bin laden probably did this on purpose so that you need to have everything to to make sense of anything
4: letters were the only way osama bin laden communicated with al-qaeda associates for nearly a decade because he was trying to evade capture bin laden had television in his compound but didn't have access to the internet or phone so everything was written by hand or on computers and in
0: interesting guys as far as bin laden having access to television this actually i just found this hilarious um <laughs> this part right here oh christina is laughing you remember this yeah. so when bin laden watches tv guys this is what he used to this is what this guy used to do when you watch tv habits.
5: he seemed to curate for himself what he did and didn't want to see a clue to this is how he watched tv news footage if a female TV newscaster came up on his TV, he'd take his remote and kind of flip up the satellite channel finder so it covered her face.
0: <laughs> ha, Denied.
5: It. And when she disappeared, he would turn it down and put it back onto a normal screen.
6: If there is other photos, press conference by President Obama or anything else. <laughs> the menu button
0: you want to see nothing American and women or America hell nah nope I'm good with that sees a woman speaking
6: it doesn't matter what you think so uh, doesn't want to see anything else but Al-Qaeda and but himself
0: a bunch of violence of course as well right I mean he's a terrorist right of course he has violent videos all over his stuff Wait, the hard drive. Cont- what was that, Christina?
4: Didn't he like use the videos and like pornography to like write messages?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you're you're giving it away. Goddamn it, woman! I thought, I thought you said it last <laughs> episode. Stupid. Well, since Christina ruined it, I'll get to that part here in a second.
3: <laughs> We've been watching this over and over again.
5: All right. Painted a lot of videos of extreme violence, which Bin Laden may well have been monitoring, but many of which are so violent that we can't even show them to you. Countless propaganda videos many beheading videos even a video of a young boy in iraq beheading a hostage video of a group of kids kicking at the dismembered leg of an american soldier and celebrating chanting death to america
0: you guys can see the deep-rooted hate for the west um you know in these propaganda videos and that stems from you know the israeli situation uh okay let me find the porn stuff. Since Christina wants to ruin her for Japanese a anime,
5: <laughs> viral <laughs> video downloads like Charlie bit my finger. It reported significant amount of pornography, and as well, the treasure trove of personal communications,
0: which we're going to get into the documents here in a second. But let me find the porn because they actually used it for a very intelligent reason. Recovered, as you guys know, you guys recognize him, Ali Sufan. You know, uh, was a member. Uh, of the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force out of New York, um, you know, interviewed KSM, interviewed uh, Abu Zubaydah, a, lo- a bunch of these terrorists that worked under the al-Qaeda network, um, famous FBI agent. And, uh, you know, him and the CIA butt heads a little bit because, you know, he's not really a fan of waterboarding, but the CIA is. And he's more of a fan of, you know, traditional interviews where you're able say, so am I. Right. Of course, because I'm a criminal investigator, especially just like he was. Right. Or I was. And, you know, with us, it's like if you're trying to gather evidence for a criminal trial, can't be out here waterboarding, guys. You can't use that. It's not admissible because now he's under duress. You know, that's coercion on a whole other level. So that is why, you know, people wonder, oh, why hasn't Khalid Sheikh Mohammed or any of these other guys been prosecuted? Because they've been watered, aborted. Right. I think one of the guys uh K- KSM reported being waterboarded like 880 times if you guys watch the last documentary. So you can't prosecute these guys when you're torturing them. But, you know, of course, national security overrides criminal uh, prosecution. So, uh, you know, the FBI and CIA do things a lot differently. If you guys want a little bit more detail on that, go watch the last podcast I did on Osama bin Laden and tracking him down.
6: They tried to live a normal life. Osama bin Laden was in the hideout with his family in isolation of the society that they lived in.
5: Bin Laden and his bodyguards went to considerable length to make this a fortified compound. There was a very high wall around the compound. And everything was about staying inside the compound, not going to school, not going shopping. They were growing their own vegetables. They were raising chickens. They had cows. They burned their own trash. And in a sense, it was a sort of a prison of
6: at one time, Mahmoud is trying to find
5: that means that everything guys, we see on these drives on. that can be linked to bin Laden.
0: Must- Absolutely. All right. I'll find it. Um, but basically, guys, long story short, they sent pornography uh, to each other and uh, there was coding in the pornography that was that was encrypted so that they can communicate with each other.
4: Encrypted on flash drives that were given to couriers to deliver all the letters were backed up on hard drives.
0: But there's a good, a lot of juicy stuff in these letters, so let's get into this. And I'll find this pornography part here in a second.
3: <laughs> we see in the letters a uh, diminutive bin Laden, somebody who is very different from this powerful figure that we were reading about daily in the newspapers for over a decade. And the disconnect between His ambitions and between his capabilities is confounding.
4: That disconnect was clear immediately after the 9-11
3: attacks. Al-Qaeda did not anticipate that the United States would go to war. What did they think was going to happen? It's a limited airstrike, but they didn't think that they would go beyond that.
0: And they fucked up right there, man. Huge miscalculation by Osama. So now we're starting to kind of figure out what they had planned after or what they thought was going to happen after the terrorist attacks, which this was a huge miscalculation on his end thinking, oh, we'll just get a couple airstrikes. It ain't going to be that big a deal. But little did he know that George Bush would not only go after him, but he will go after Saddam. He'd go after fucking everybody, bro. So, yeah, uh, Patriot Act, all that.
4: But as the war raged on in Afghanistan, Lahoud says these letters show that Osama bin Laden was surprised by how Americans reacted to
3: 9-11. He thought that the American people would take to the streets, replicate the anti-Vietnam War protest, mm-hmm. and they would put pressure on their governments to withdraw from Muslim-majority states. A large miscalculation. A huge miscalculation.
0: Yeah, he thought the Jews were just going to say, you know what, man? Talk to that, Palestine, man. ain't that serious you know that was really what he wanted he just wanted you know israel and uh western countries out of muslim lands that's that's why a lot of these terrorist attacks occur in the first place guys so yeah huge big uh that's a l osama l right there for not realizing that they were not gonna you know uh respond in that manner
4: calculation In November of 2002, U.S. intelligence officials warned Al-Qaeda might be planning, quote, spectacular attacks that could cause mass casualties. But Lahoud says letters show that by that time, Al-Qaeda was weak. Top leaders had been killed or forced into hiding. and The terrorist organization was rudderless. There is definitely.
0: I believe that. I mean, the U.S. waged a huge war on terror after 9-11
4: a narrative that bin Laden was still controlling al-Qaeda from behind the scenes, the puppet master uh, somewhere hidden away. But is that what the papers show? Far from it. So he was not calling the shots? Absolutely not. She says Osama bin Laden didn't communicate with his al-Qaeda associates for three years because he was...
0: Holy! Oh, shit! Oh, shit! Three years. No leadership. Three years. Just a bunch of chaos. Three years. No one to uh you know to run the organization guys because he was too busy hiding man on the
4: run it's still unknown exactly where he was hiding but in 2004 he reconnects with Al Qaeda in this letter offering surviving members his new plan to attack America he's very eager
3: to replicate the 9 11 attacks and and
0: And for all the people you know that you know believe and don't worry guys I'm going to cover the conspiracy theory episode next pod which that's a five-hour documentary, man. That might be uh that's gonna take me all day to do. I ain't gonna capture you guys. But yeah. I, I might have to do that one. Um, I might do that one live. Who knows? But um either way, guys, um, for all the conspiracy theorists out there, you know, how would they find this stuff in bin Laden's house, ran in Arabic, you know, obviously hidden away in a certain way or whatever. So again, uh there's there's ammunition on both sides, you know. The the conspiracy theory documentary, I watched it. Some really good points that they made about how the towers fell down, how structurally impossible for it to um, come down that way, unless, uh, you know, initiated by controlled demolition, bunch of good stuff, which we're going to cover on the next episode. But you got to look at both sides here. I'm being objective. You know, this is coming from a guy that was a former Fed. So, um, you know, there, there's no, there. you know, there's, this is irrefutable stuff. You know, they obviously, and for the people out there, they didn't really kill bin Laden. Really? I mean, Guys, he hasn't made – have you seen him wagging his finger, you know, saying death to America in the past 10 years? I haven't. So, you know, he's been gone for a while, right? So um, – uh, but let's continue on with what she finds here. So he wants to go ahead and do the 9-11 attacks again.
3: In The United States. Or
0: replicate them. Come close to replicating them.
3: It's – you know, he he, he is mindful – that now the security conditions are very difficult at airports.
0: She read as part of this. Yeah, TSA is now a thing now. <laughs> you know, homeland security is real now after this shit.
4: Chilling letter from Osama bin Laden to the head of Al Qaeda's international terror unit. Bin Laden writes that rather than hijack a plane, operatives should charter one for their next attack on the U.S. and adds, if that's too difficult, they should target U.S. railways. Then, Bin Laden, who had a degree in civil engineering, explains exactly how to do it.
3: He wanted to have 12 meters of steel rail removed so that this way the train could be derailed. And we find him explaining the the simple toolkit that they could use. You know, he said here you could use a compressor, you could use smelting iron tool. He's in, in those small details. At the granular most granular level, yes. what does that say to you? He's very methodical, very methodical. he thinks he doesn't want to leave anything for chance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, um you know, contrary to popular belief, this wasn't just an idiot sitting in a cave somewhere in Afghanistan hiding against the United States that was poor. uh he was a multimillionaire, you know, extremely wealthy, uh knowledgeable, had a degree, not a, not a stupid guy, obviously to be able to pull off attacks like this and plan this out. For as long as they did, you know, you got to have some kind of wits about you and some kind of knowledge. So uh, this guy was, you know, uh, sinister, man, had some really bad things planned uh, for the United States.
4: Fortunately, he was never able to execute his plan because Lahoud says Al Qaeda had been gutted by the war. She read us this letter from Tafiq, a young associate who was running operations for Al Qaeda in Afghanistan and Pakistan. He's telling Osama bin Laden just how
3: incapacitated the terror organization had become. The weakness, failure, and aimlessness that befell us were harrowing. We Muslims were defiled and desecrated. Our state was ripped asunder, our lands were occupied, our resources were plundered. And, so and this, he's giving the state of Al-Qaeda to Osama bin Laden, who... Probably hasn't heard this at this point. He didn't know. He didn't know the reality. And he actually warns him that I'm going to tell you the truth as it is. Mm -hmm. And I know that some of the brothers here are not telling you everything in detail because they don't want to upset you, particularly because of the delicate situations in which you find yourself with. That delicate situation is Bin
4: Laden's life in hiding.
0: You guys can see here he is with dyed beard. You know, wants to preserve youth to a degree. Doesn't want to make himself look old and senile and weak so uh you know and that's why when they found him right uh years later um he his beard was was dyed.
4: by 2005 osama bin laden was living behind the 18-foot walls of the abadabad compound he shared with you
0: guys can see look burning their trash
4: some of his wives children and grandchildren seen here in this video seized during the raid In this clip, Bin Laden's 22-year-old son, Khaled, is showing off the compound's meager gardens.
0: That was Khaled who got killed during the raid, which we uh, showed in the last video.
4: And animals he tends to. Khaled also recorded his father's public statements that were intended to be seen around the world. You can hear him giggling as the lights malfunction. (laughs)
0: Oh. <laughs> the Bin Laden bloopers <laughs> Coming soon to you
4: But Nelly Lahoud says it was actually Two of Bin Laden's daughters Who played the greater role In crafting their father's messages And jihad missions
0: Oh shit, what the hell? <laughs> oh, The people who really were Y'all yeah, didn't know that, did ya? Huh? The Bin Laden you. women out here Going hard in the terrorist <laughs> thing.
3: On Osama's public statements were mostly his um, daughters, Mariam and Sumaya. And at one one of the pages, you know, uh, we find that Osama soliciting explicitly start preparing, start thinking about the ideas that need to go to the into the public statement. That's his own words. Is this surprising how involved they were? Yes, it was. It was surprising to me. In the world of al-Qaeda, and of jihadism broadly, women are not part of the public face um, of of jihad. But privately,
4: the bin Laden, Laden women were very involved. involved. In this letter to if a relative, bin Laden's now, wife, Sihm, is mourning the loss of a daughter who died in childbirth. But the then Lord the
3: tone quickly sins. changes. And then she goes on to shame and at the same time, incite the men to take up shihad. And she says, you know, our women and children are suffering while the men are being so vile and coward. Mm. So that's...
0: Yeah, Bin Laden's daughter's guys, uh, you know, and his wives were educated. So um, contrary to popular proper belief. Um, so that's why they helped him with penning some of his messages uh, to sound better.
3: That's the kind of personality that we are encountering
0: Cause keep in mind he had money so what did he do he put his kids through um you know private schooling homeschooling etc
4: wow that the women in the compound yes al-qaeda was also running low on cash Lahout says documents show that in 2006 al-qaeda had just two hundred thousand dollars in its coffers and was unable to support
0: holy shit! only two hundred thousand uh, dollars back then that's not enough to run a terrorist organization and let me see give you guys uh how much that was in 2006. That is the equivalent, guys, to $294,000 today. Okay. $200,000 in 2006 to now is the purchasing power of about $294,452.38 today.
4: Or control an increasingly fractious jihad. Still, she says, Osama bin Laden kept plotting. Lahoud showed us this letter to another young associate, Eunice, who'd impressed bin Laden with his sharp intellect.
3: It says this is specifically addressed to you. Top secret, do not share it with anyone.
4: It is Osama bin Laden's plan for another terror attack in 2010. This time he wanted to target multiple crude oil tankers and major
3: shipping routes around the Middle East and Africa. He says it does not escape you the importance of oil for industrialized economy today mm-hmm. and it is similar to blood for human beings mm-hmm. so if you cause somebody to bleed excessively even if you don't kill him you'll at least weaken him mm-hmm. and that's he really what he really wanted to do to the Amer- to the american economy
0: and he knows that why because again guys now that now that we did earlier in this pod what did i talk to you guys about right the petrodollar so you got to remember that bin laden knows that the lifeblood of the united states is oil it's the reason why his own country okay in his eyes betrayed him took his citizenship away exiled him to sudan was because of what oil the united states was willing to protect the saudi arabian government and royal family right from the iraqi invasion because of what oil so he looks at it like all right if I get rid of the oil, I hurt the Americans because the Americans, that's their lifeblood. That's the only reason that they're going ahead and helping the Saudi government and the Saudi royal family is because of oil. So if I can't protect my country, they can't either. Fuck the oil. So that's how bin Laden's looking at it. All that comes from the petrodollar, man. She
4: says bin Laden details how Al Qaeda operatives should integrate themselves into those port areas as fishermen. He instructs them exactly where to buy a specific kind of wooden boat to evade radar, and then once again goes into the granular details of his plan.
0: The boats. You guys can see here, a maniacal individual, man. He's over here, like literally on some fucking evil doctor shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Evil shit, planning stuff out, man. Has all different types of plans.
3: Need to carry a large volume of explosives, preferably placed in an arch position facing the vessel
4: so he's not only telling them what explosives to buy he's telling them how to place the explosives in an arch position but his final plan to attack seems to have been halted by something he never saw coming
0: the arab spring according to this family if some of you guys that are wondering right where did he kind of have this idea from before well guys back in october 12th of 2000 this little incident happened which is what ali sufan was actually investigating um, was a USS Cole bombing okay? This happened. Uh, U.S. destroyer en route to the Persian Gulf was making a prearranged fuel stop at the port of Aden, Yemen, when the attack occurred. So Ali Sufan, the FBI agent that I showed you guys before, that doesn't really get along with the CIA too well, he was um investigating this bombing that occurred here, uh, where a, a basically a small vessel went up to the USS Cole and self-detonated and killed um a bunch of navy navy men killing 17 so, so, uh, sailors and injuring nor- nearly 40 other crew members right so they were able to go ahead and identify the bombing of the USS Cole as also tied to al-Qaeda so um so that other terrorist attack that you, you know you guys just heard about with the with the boats and putting them in explosives he's done it before USS Cole notebook
4: unique item seized in the raid the peaceful protests were confusing and concerning to the Bin Ladens.
0: Wait, peaceful protests? What is that? What do you speak of? <laughs> no way. Denied. There's no peace here, man. We just blow shit up.
3: <laughs> On one level, they were very excited by the fact that the people were able to bring down dictators. But at the same time, there were all these question marks about what is the value of shihad at the moment? And we find this really, um, throughout this notebook, is jihad still necessary? Lahoud
4: says bin Laden, seen here in the final months of his life, was struggling with the answer to that question before he was killed. U.S. intelligence agencies say most- As
0: you guys can see, his beard was gray, but when they killed him, his beard was black, dying it, to obviously make his comeback on Al Jazeera on the TV, (laughs) to make his threats to the United States
4: al Al-Qaeda terrorist activity is now being carried out by smaller Al-Qaeda offshoots. Bin Laden's second-in-command, Ayman al-Zawarhi, now heads (laughs) Al-Qaeda. This month, he appeared in a new video denouncing the enemies of Islam.
0: All right, so I found the porno clip here that Christina was referring to earlier, right, of how they sent clips to each other of pornography
5: one set of files seems particularly surprising the cia said there was a significant amount of pornography found on these computer drives what do you make of that
3: nowhere in the letters are such materials requested and they didn't have internet so how could they really be downloading it
5: i don't know if bin laden
1: utilized that pornography but if he did it wouldn't surprise me biology trumps ideology
4: it's ab- that's facts. absolutely prohibited in.
0: But yeah, according to Islamic faith, it is prohibited. And he did have four wives. So, but you're going to see why they had it.
4: Islam and I think most faiths. And I just want to point out one really important point here. Whether or not they were watching porn really doesn't concern me that much because they were also killing people. And that is far more prohibited by.
0: <laughs> yeah, someone is actually being logic here, logical here.
4: The Quran than watching sex.
0: Yes, killing people is forbidden by the Quran, contrary to popular beliefs, you know, coming from, well, not the best Muslim here, but yes, you, you don't kill innocent <laughs> people, guys. You know, I, even I know that rule. We know
6: that Al Qaeda used pornography to send messages. So they embed encrypted messages in pornographic photos. There are softwares where you encrypt a message inside a pornographic video or a pornographic picture, when you have the code on the other side, that porn photo is suddenly a message.
5: You don't need to encrypt messages or use couriers if you're just planning a quiet retirement. He spent years on the run, and Bin Laden believed the best way for him to reclaim the world stage was either to repeat or even improve upon what he saw as his greatest accomplishment.
0: So there you have it. They were using pornography to communicate with each other. Because Bin Laden was a very religious guy, guys. He prayed seven times a day. He fasted two times a week. You I have more details on this on the uh, other podcast. But, um, you know, some other interesting notable mentions that they found in his hard drive was they found a lot of American cartoons for the children. They found uh, a lot of Bruce Lee movies. Uh, He liked fast cars. You know, for a guy that hated the United States, he did consume quite a bit of uh, American entertainment. And, um, yeah, I mean, um, it's a very interesting look into uh the life of a lot obviously a lot of uh, home videos with him and his children um and you know just general shit that you would find but i think the papers of like his further plots and you know where al-qaeda kind of was at the time during him hiding i think that's more uh that's a lot more important and then obviously the fact that they were using pornography with encrypted messages was pretty pretty smart idea um but uh yeah christina any thoughts on the show no
4: I'm just laughing right
0: now. <laughs> Fantastic.
4: No cuz like we I don't want to spill nothing else cuz like like, you have like then I get to do no, another one, right?
0: Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, it's a, yeah, we got another one where we're going to watch uh the conspiracy much. theories. <laughs> so, um but yeah, guys, hope you guys enjoyed that one, man. Um next episode is going to be on, you know, covering the uh the real Pearl Harbor. It's I think it's a 5-hour documentary. I'm still weighing out if I'm going to do it live or if I'm going to go ahead and do it um do it what's it called? Uh, on a pre recorded. I might do it live. Let's see what happens, guys. Mm-hmm. But hope you guys enjoyed that episode, man. I'll catch y'all on the next episode of Fedit. Peace. I was a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. The cases that I did mostly were human smuggling and drug trafficking. No one else has these documents, by the way. Here's what Fed It covers Dr. Lafredo confirmed lacerations due to stepping on glass. Murder investigation.